0: Guys, I am so excited for this conversation. I am going to be interviewing today Laura Vanderkam. She is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours. Her work has appeared in publications including New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She is the host of a podcast, Before Breakfast, and the co-host with Sarah Hart-Jugner of a podcast, Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside of Philadelphia with her husband and her five children, and she blogs at lauravandercam.com. Uh, welcome, Laura. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me, uh, that's a lot of books. How did you, tell me a little bit, like, that's the formal, like, how did you get to doing all of this? Have you always been a very time management person? Uh, productivity person.
1: Yeah, I've probably always been into productivity and planning. Um, it seems to make life more orderly in general. Um, you know, and as your listeners know, it's not just about planning the stuff you have to do. It's about planning the things that you want to do. And so I'm, you know, a big fan of of making space for all that good stuff. I love it. I love it. So
0: I'm just curious. I always like to ask people this: What is your enneagram type? Do you know that?
1: You know, I don't really know, but uh, right. I uh, I
0: would I would, I would venture either a one or an eight. So I was just curious. What it might be a are. one.
1: That's a that's a good guess.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, what is your birthday? As far as I think that uh, astrology has a lot to do with how people plan. What, what is your birthday? Um, you Sagittarius. A- so okay. Yes. Okay. So so planning is in your nature, in your um, realm of, of what makes you comfortable and what makes you feel in control. And I do think, I think we all know that planning is how we move that needle and how we move our life forward and the direction that we want. Exactly. Um. So I'm going to start just drilling with you with, with some questions because I feel like you and I are probably very similar in a lot of our philosophies, but there is not a conversation that goes by that I'm like, huh. That's totally right. Just different ways of thinking about it or approaching it. So um, you wrote a book about, you know, what successful t- people do before breakfast. Can you give us just a couple routines or a couple habits on what, you know, a skinny rundown of what people should do before they have breakfast?
1: Well, uh, before breakfast is a good time for doing anything that is important to you, that life has a way of crowding out. And so this is a great time for things like, you know, long-term speculative career projects. It could be creative work, like writing the great American novel or something. You can tell yourself you'll do it before bed, but you probably won't. You want to get up early and do it. Um, For taking care of yourself. So things like exercise, always great to do in the morning. Uh, But really anything that is important to you that just doesn't fit in the rest of the day, because we tend to have more discipline uh, and focus and motivation first thing.
0: So do you feel like, I know with me, if I don't do some of the things in the morning, my day kind of gets ahead of me and my day is so planned out that I don't necessarily get time. I'm talking about the gym. Like if I don't hit the gym or do some sort of self-care in the morning, it typically doesn't happen. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no,
1: that that can be the case for for many of us. Um, I know that I, I enjoy exercising first thing and it, it definitely becomes harder later in the day. Um, you know, you just run out of energy or other things come up. And and so there are fewer things that can get in the way of, say, a 6 a.m. workout, whereas there's quite a few things that can kind of come up and make a 4 p.m. workout not quite
0: happen. Yeah, I mean, I have, I'm a big believer in um, I used to wake up and kind of go. I don't know if you're that same way. Um, and I now I'm kind of a wake up and try to like prime myself to go. So instead of just jumping into something or doing, I'm, I've rebuilt my morning routine on the last couple of years. Cause I feel like it wasn't sustainable, meaning I was waking up and going, but I was reaching a burnout point, like lunch or a little bit after. And I feel like I didn't have energy for the rest of the day. Um, so what is your thoughts on that? Like so now I don't wake up and go. I wake up, I kind of I journal, I get make sure I'm looking over my to-do list, I map out time block out my day. Um, and then I kind of go, if that makes sense. But I am a big believer in whenever you're your freshest and your most creative, that's when you need to focus on your priorities, which for me and most people, it's that morning time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like you were doing things that really uh, fed your energy levels then in the morning when when you put in those new steps into your morning routine. Uh, the good news though, energy is something we can replenish through the day. And so, yes, it's quite possible that you are running out of steam around lunch. Um, but fortunately, we can put in a couple things in say mid-afternoon, taking a mid-afternoon break for a little bit more physical activity or outside time or anything else that will add to your energy levels. Uh, you, you can get some of that back. You know, you're probably not going to be as fresh as you were at eight in the morning. Um, but you don't have to completely lose the afternoon either.
0: Okay, so we, we got to keep talking on that. So mid-afternoon break, which is just going outside. What are some other things that people can do? Because I think that when we think we need a mid-afternoon pick-me-up, people think, oh, I need to go like brew another cup of coffee mid-afternoon. And I did that for a while. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like That's not good. Just drive off caffeine. What are some other things that can be done?
1: Yeah, so I mean, if you're to do the coffee, probably decaf and then just trust that the smell of coffee <laughs> is conditioned to wake you up at that point. Um, or cup of tea or something like that. But there are all sorts of things that we know add to people's energy levels. Um, So physical activity is a big one. And it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be a full, you know, running six miles or something, which might leave you more tired in any case. Um, Just even jumping, you know, bounding up and down the stairs for five minutes will put you in an entirely different frame of mind than you were before. Um, Going outside, getting some fresh air, talking to somebody that you find energizing. If you are more introverted and you've been in meetings or phone calls all day, you might need to have a little quiet time to yourself. Um, If you're more extroverted and you've been doing focus work, then you probably wanna get on the phone with a couple of your best work buddies and chat with them and that will energize you. But figure out what are these things that you know make you feel more energetic and then figure out a way to put them into your schedule at a time when you would otherwise be
0: falling apart. I love that. I love that. I definitely feel like that's something that I for sure need to do more of. Um, So you wrote a book called Off the Clock. What is the overall premises of that book?
1: Well, time continues moving at the same pace all the time. Um, But how time feels is very different depending on how we are interacting with our time. And so people who have a more abundant perspective on time figure out ways to, you know, make the good times guess go as slowly as the bad times do. I mean, we've all had long, boring times that seem where the clock is just barely moving. It's like, well, how can you slow down the good stuff uh, to feel a little bit more like this sense of of time freedom? And so, you know, I had uh, 900 people track their time for a day and I asked them questions about how they felt about their time. And I was able to, you know, really drill down what are the differences between people who have an abundant perspective on time and people who feel more rushed and harried. Um, And and so I explore that in the book. I mean, it really comes down to being mindful of our time, to, you know, making sure that we're investing in moving minutes into the good category from the bad category, if there's anything we can do Um, about spending time with people. Um, People tend to be a good use of time. And really about putting memorable stuff into our lives, little adventures, because it turns out that when we say, um, you know, where did the time go? What we're really saying is I don't remember where the time went and because it's not memorable. But if you do memorable things, then
0: you will remember. I had this conversation literally yesterday with, with someone like this exact same thing, because what is time without a memory? You don't remember it. Like think about when you were a kid, like you don't remember everything, but it's those rememberable moments that usually are around adventure, but not always. I mean, it could be a traumatic thing or it could be, you know, like we were talking about a fishing trip. Like, well, my kids remember a trip that we took. They might not, but they might remember the fishing trip because the fishing trip, like one of them caught their first fish and one of them got sick. One was a bad memory and one was a good memory. (laughs) But that's the whole thing is right. Like what is life without this this memory and time and being thought provoking as far as trying to weave in that good and that adventure, because that's the whole point of life, right?
1: Yeah. Anything that is novel or anything that is intense um, will tend to make a memory. And that's, as you have more memories of time, it seems to go slower. That's why the first day of a vacation somewhere exotic, you know, will feel incredibly long because you're having all these novel experiences through the day. Whereas, you know, your average day where you're doing the same thing that you've done a thousand times before, well, your brain has absolutely no reason to remember it. And so
0: it doesn't. Interesting. I have never heard someone put it that way. I love that. What a great way to think about it. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor.
1: This podcast is brought to you by StartPlanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur and Inc. com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at Startplanner.com. Um
0: so three tweaks. Can you give us three tweaks that can make people more productive? If you could narrow it down to only three.
1: Well, one would be to plan your weeks, well, to plan your life in weeks. Um, I think that 168 hours, the weekly perspective, is the right way to look at time and um, you know, further than that, things start to get away from us. But day by day is too short too, because things don't have to happen daily in order to be important to us. So plan your life in weeks. I tend to do it on Friday afternoons. I think that's a really good time for lots of reasons, but uh, that's that's one I'd suggest. So plan your weeks on Fridays. Um, match your most important work to your most productive time. Um, so as we talked about earlier, doing big focused work stuff Mornings tend to be the best time for that, so don't schedule that check in meeting that status meeting where everyone's reporting that yep, she's still doing her job at nine a m That's just a waste of people's best time. you want if that meeting needs to happen, it's got to happen at two o'clock or three and o'clock in the afternoon where people aren't going to get much else done in any case um and then you know one of the one of the best tips, I think, is to give yourself a bedtime um because Life is harder when you don't get enough sleep. And, and there's sometimes there are reasons beyond our immediate control that we aren't getting enough sleep. But in other cases, we're doing it to ourselves. So if, if you're in the latter category, uh, give yourself a time that you intend to be in bed. And of course, you can blow through it if you want, because you are a grown up. Like no one's going to you know, force you to go to bed at that time. But by saying, OK, that's my bedtime, you force yourself to have a reason to stay up later and to check in with yourself. Well, is this a good reason? And if it is, great. But if it isn't, that could give you a nudge to go to bed. And when you go to bed on time, you can wake up on time and that
0: starts the next day even better. I love it. That's such a good way to look at it. And we don't realize, um, I didn't realize how important sleep was until I was in a state of not getting a lot of it. It impacts everything. Productivity, mindset, you crave carbs, You you know, your health, like we need sleep. So I think that's such a good way to do that is just to give you, assign yourself a bedtime. Like we used to be given that as, as kids. And I think that now more than ever, as we're recording this through a pandemic, and a lot of us are working from home and homeschooling their children and routines are just not as, you know, what they used to be. I think that um, we're learning that we have to sometimes, as society is not setting a routine and our pace for this, it's up to us to set it for us. So I love that. Um, you talk about creating boundaries in a lot of your work and the importance of it. I'm also big on boundaries. Um, can you tell me what you mean by a couple boundaries that people should implement?
1: Well, one that a lot of people are dealing with right now, if they are newly working from home over the last six months because of the pandemic, is figuring out how the work day ends. Um, if you work in an office, it's pretty clear, like you commute home at some point. You have to leave, like you aren't going to sleep there. So the day will end with an obvious departure. Um, whereas if you're working from home, that doesn't have to happen. So a lot of people sort of half work and half surf the web into all hours of the evening. And they're not really getting much done, but they're not really relaxing either. So figuring out some way to indicate to yourself that the day is. Over, it can go a long way um, toward restoring you so that you live to march again the next day as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that we forget that we have to be restored. We have to rest. We have to recharge. Um, now, are you someone that uh, spends your weekends disconnected? Um, are you, do you work? I mean, I feel like as an entrepreneur, you, you are kind of what I am. Sometimes those lines are even harder to be blurred. You're talking about people that, um, you know, I've worked from home primarily. I mean, I have an office, we have a warehouse, but for me, sometimes I blur those lines. And I have kind of, I used to talk about like work-life balance and the structure, and I do give myself structure, but some days, you know, that I plan out, I'm not quite there. and I move some things around just to try to, like, I feel like it's integrated. Like you have to kind of go with the flow. Like if my home life is needing my attention more, I have to shift that energy in that direction that way. Um, What is your thoughts on that as far as, you know, establishing boundaries, but then flexing a little bit?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I am a big fan of of work-life integration, and that is the nature of my life, um, because I can't only do work, let's say, from eight to five every day. I mean, there's other things going on that I have to deal with. I mean, particularly now where kids are doing virtual learning or, you know, we have so many children in this household that, you know, somebody has to go be picked up somewhere um, during that time. And so in order to stay on top of things, I do, in fact, wind up using a chunk of time on the weekends to often do some work uh, if I need to get ahead of the week because I can see it's going to be a short week for some reason, or if I'm behind because some day got taken away from me for some reason. Um, yeah, there's nothing magical about the weekends, but I do think that you want to enforce some time where you are off um, and then some time where you're truly on for, for work too. And the problem is when you're going back and forth sort of inefficiently all the time. So if I am going to work on, say, a Saturday, I'll try to have it be, you know, two hours at a certain point where somebody else is with my kids and so I know I can focus and get a lot done, um, as opposed to just trying to, you know, dart in and out of email or out of projects all day long and feeling incredibly frustrated. Right. And not giving it the energy that it
0: deserves. So let's finish on this. So a lot of people right now are either working from home or do work from home, whether they're an entrepreneur or they're working for someone else. You know, in addition to boundaries, what would a tip that you would give them um, you know, to kind of get the most out of it?
1: Well, working from home is really awesome. I mean, I've done it for, what, 18 years now or so. Um, and the problem is a lot of people are experiencing it in a non-ideal situation. I've always you know, made sure people know that if you are going to work from home, you can't be the person in charge of your young children during the hours you intend to work. Um, because you'll feel constantly pulled in multiple directions. Well, of course, the pandemic hit and suddenly a lot of people are trying to work and care for their young children simultaneously. And and so I know it's been a huge source of and stress. Homeschool. <laughs> and homeschool. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, if you are in that situation, ideally you and your partner, if you have one, are able to come up with a good schedule of trading off and covering for each other. So each person is getting some focus time. Um, and then knowing that there's time you're fully on with your kids. So you're not feeling like you know you're making them watch the tenth movie of the day and feeling bad about that too. Uh, so uh, there, there's that, but but I think long term it's it's exciting this the, I, this revolution in how we work because working from home is in many cases so much more efficient. Uh, commutes just burn time for no real reason. I mean, yes, we do need to see people in person, but we probably don't need to for forty hours a week. That that's probably past the point of diminishing returns. A lot of information jobs could very you know, easily be split into two to three days at home, two to three days per week at the office, um, and then people would get that time back that they had been commuting. And they'd also probably be more productive because they would put their meetings and their collaborative work on the days that they were in the office, and then they could use their work from home days to... You know, do that individual-focused work that's hard to do when you're distracted in an office and people are constantly stopping by to, you know, see, hey, did you see what happened with the salad bar in the cafeteria? And you're like, ah, I've got to get my work done. Um,
0: so, you know, it's just about matching the right work to the right place. I uh, I agree. I think that we're going to see this whole year is going to teach a lot of companies. I think there's going to be a lot of changes that we're going to see that's going to implemented um, that a lot of normal as we knew it before won't go back into place. So. I think that was just a lot of uh, a waste. And I think you're right. I think that they're going to see that they don't need some necessary overhead or there's different ways or different processes. So it's going to be interesting to see that when we come out the other side of this and when we quote unquote, get back to a new normal, whatever that is anymore, uh, you know, what everything looks like. So Exactly. Well, Laura, thank you so much. Can you tell people where they can find you, follow you? You feel like you have so much knowledge to be able to share. Can you, um, and then also if you're working on any. What is your most recent book? You know, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, please come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. Just my name. You can get information about my podcasts, um, my books there. Uh, You can, I actually still blog like three, four times a week. I love doing it. And my commenters tend to be rather nice. So it's, it's a good discussion going there. Um, But my newest book is called The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. So if people are working from home newly in in this pandemic and looking for some advice on how to do it productively and ambitiously. uh, Please go check that
0: out. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much for helping people stay productive and manage their time. Um, I appreciate you sharing with us today. Thanks so much for having me. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.